0: Oh, I am. Right. Okay. Well. Good morning again. Ah, oh, there you go. Someone's awake. <laughs> so, what have we been studying the last few weeks? Ray. Yes. The Bible. Well done. <laughs> it's always one. But specifically, the Beatitudes come in this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, Jesus goes up on a mount, Sermon on the Mount, simple. And this teaching session is to Jesus' followers, but there's a few people sort of in earshot as well who are listening. And Jesus in the sermon, he's outlining, well, what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? We might have heard that, and it might feel a little bit alien to us talking about kingdoms because we're obviously not in one. But what does it mean to be part of that society? Um, How did these people come to be part of that society? Um, How are their needs met by the king? Um, And Jesus goes on to explain in this sermon how his citizens are different They are very different in how they view themselves, their identity, who they are, and they're very different in their purpose, why they are there. So what they do and who they are is different. And as Jesus goes on in the sermon, he gives lots of examples um, in in Matthew's Gospel. He gives lots of examples of what that looks like in practice. And I don't know about you, but when you read it, when I read it, I think I am so not this. <laughs> I am not this. I, I cannot even begin to say that I am this um, and and this sermon has two purposes in one sense, it does exactly what I just said. It holds a mirror up and we look at it and we see that we are not what we are meant to be, um, and that 's true probably of of all scripture, if you're reading it, we're asking God, speak to me, show me about you, show me about me. But um, this sermon is also, um, it's hope, it's a vision, it's a picture of what we are and will be, are and one will be. And in the first bit of the Sermon on the Mount, the bit we've been looking at, the Beatitudes, it's... um, you know, Jesus almost draws us in a bit. You know, what, what does it mean to be truly happy? You know, what does it mean? There's nine things, nine kinds of top ways to be happy. And I had a quick peek, obviously, on the internet, nine top ways to be happy. And I found um, that first, you should learn to give. We wouldn't disagree with that. But the second one was that you should eat more avocados. Um, And uh, (laughs) I guess that gives a bit of an understanding, doesn't it? That advice that we can receive, often it can change our mood. I'm sure avocados, they... um produce lots of things that make us happier, feel happier on a very on a basic level. But the kinds of happiness that Jesus is talking about goes to our very core. It's a it's a deep happiness. It's a kind of happiness that that isn't affected by whether my job went well today or it was a disaster and that person screamed at me. That will affect our mood, but the kind of beatitudes, that, that real blessedness, that happiness, that deepness, is what Jesus is talking about here. Um, and I don't know about you, but um, Jesus, when he, when he speaks here, It's not just about quick fixes. It's not just about changing circumstances. It's about um, how we behave as well. And uh, I'm rubbish at that. I I might like not to eat chocolate and cake and chips, but I know that when Rob is sitting with a plate of full, fat, greasy, gorgeous, salt-covered chips, I am going to eat them. And uh, lots of things can be changed after time, can't they? We can develop habits. We can say, I'm never going to visit a chip shop again. And it can be self-discipline. But when we're faced with it, the reality of what's going on really inside is often quite different. We need to uh, be different in a different type of way, don't we? We need a change to happen um, that is beyond just kind of physical changes we need as the bible talks about about heart surgery but not not with a knife spiritually we need that we promised it aren't we in the old testament Um, we read um, i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will move from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh And as we come to our verse today, we need to hold this verse in our mind. I will give you a new heart. Because it's really tempting when we read the Bible to try to act it out without a heart change. Uh, We can all pretend to be good Christians. We can uh, attend church. We can smile at the right moments. We can put ourselves on the coffee rotor. And to all external appearances, a change has taken place. But we know from reading on in that sermon that Jesus is not so much interested in the external all the time, but what is truly going on in the internal. So our, our, um, our passage for today talks about being salt of the earth and light of the world. Let us read it because I didn't cut and paste it in. So it's Matthew and it's chapter 5, if you don't have it already. And verse 13 and you'll see the title salt and light and last week John talked about salt so we're going to focus this week on the light so let's look at um, I'll just read it all you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do a people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we need to hold this verse with these two tensions. A disciple, a follower of Christ, is not different from everyone else. And a disciple of Christ is completely different from everyone else. We need to hold those together. The first one, the disciple of Christ, is no different. Well, people in this kingdom are not chosen because they are nice. They are not chosen because they started to be kind and gentle and compassionate and God said, I'll have them. They look nice. Those things God really does, I'm sure he delights in them, but that's not why they're chosen to be part of this kingdom. They are called... Um, But rather, Jesus has called people to be his disciples, to follow him because of his love for them, because his desire for them to know him. So we need to start with that, don't we? We've got the most famous passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What's the motivation, is it? Is it that he thought they were nice? It's his love for the world that he gave. And John 17 tells us this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this knowing, when Jesus allows us to see the face of God, that's when we start to become transformed. That's when we start to be different. Whenever we look a tiny weeny bit like Jesus, when we mention what he's done, or when we say to others, you met my friend Jesus. Do you say that? I never say that. (laughs) I didn't say it in those words anyway. We do it with this really common ground that we have not, Jesus has not asked us, he has not died for us, he's not come to us because we are better than anyone else. We are no different from anyone else. It's like us saying, are you hungry? I'm hungry too. Let me show you where I go and get my food. It's the same sort of thing. But secondly, the Christian is radically different from everyone else. We've gotta hold these two. And why? Because God is radically different. God is the creator. People are created. God is eternal. The earth is temporal. God is perfection. The earth is broken. And when we come to trust Jesus to heal our hearts, we look at his death on the cross, his act of love towards us. We accept his forgiveness. We are welcomed back into relationship. We are home And in doing so, we are supernaturally joined to him. We are supernaturally joined to him. And as we read in that passage of Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will put my spirit in you to move you. Have you ever thought about that? To move you. To follow my decrees. And that's what we saw fulfilled at Pentecost. When the first disciples were filled with the spirit. But every time a person comes and says. Jesus I see who you are. I want to follow you. They are supernaturally joined. The spirit is in them. And that's why they are radically different. Because God is radically different different. He is in us. It is his radical difference that makes us light. His radical difference, not ours. The difference is God, not that they are trying hard. So when it says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, you are the light of the world, Or rather, God is. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And when we are supernaturally joined, we are the light of the world. And this won't change, will it? Um, Rob is the father of Emily and Rebecca, you'll be pleased to know. And whatever he does, that will not change. He is the father of Rebecca and Emily. And in the same way, we are the light of the world. This is what we are. And we might be good at it, we might be bad at it, we might be all over the place, we might be hiding under a bowl, but we are the light of the world. And in this statement, you are salt, you are light. Jesus makes another statement, doesn't he? The world needs salt, and the world needs light. The world needs salt and the world needs light. And when we read that Jesus came, it's described in John chapter 1. We read the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was not in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The relationship between God and his creation was broken. And only a handful of people recognized who Jesus was. When we read the headlines today, we see how desperately the world needs to be reconciled. And we are the light of the world. Jesus also makes two really obvious observational points. Um, if salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. If you put a light under a bowl, it's useless. Those are the two things. And he goes on to say, A city on a hill cannot be be hidden this lamp is his character displayed it's his acts of mercy and justice and peacemakers it's the message of grace and love and church is not this is it this is us gathered church is in the world it's in the office it's in the streets it's in the family that doesn't know jesus It's in the supermarket with the checkout woman. That's the church mixed in. We heard about it last week, didn't we? John was saying we need to be salt mixed in, and we took our salt off to different parts wherever we are in our daily lives. Oh, this is a quote from um, the lovely Salvation Army man, William Booth. He says, instead of standing at the door of the church saying, why don't you come in? Christians must go out and meet the world on its own terms. And he said that in 1865, and I'm sure that Christians said that right at the beginning. I bet Paul was stood there going, you need to get out too. (laughs) We all need to recognize that we are the light of the world. So, what is the light of Christ? It's not our charisma, it's not our niceness, it is Jesus in us. But what's it for? Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds. That which comes out of us, because the gospel's begun healing us and feeding us and renewing us and making us humble, and the power of Jesus in us, his spirit is transforming us, and it spills out into wherever we are, so that our office its backbiting and shouting and they're nasty to each other. And the, Jesus in you gives you that ability to not join in. Jesus in you gives you that ability to say, today, I am not going to do that. I'm going to be the most positive person that has ever entered this workplace. The light of Jesus shining Matthew 6, though, says this. Interesting. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And that makes sense, doesn't it? To be seen by them. If I'm being the nicest person in the office because I want everyone to go, she is a nice person. I like her. Let's have her for dinner We like this person. We're doing it to be seen by them. Jesus was immensely critical, wasn't he? We don't want our motive to be seen. But what was our motive to be? That they would see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Our reward's got to be bigger, hasn't it? Part of our purpose is to praise It's to bring glory and honour to Jesus. And that has got to be our underlying driving force. The Sermon on the Mount, if you read it again and again, it cuts to the heart. It talks about, you know, you might not be committing adultery, but what's going on in your heart? The heart is really important to Jesus. So what's underlying our motivations? Let's think about that. Why did you give that person a lift home? Why did you stay late to help your work colleague? Why did you visit the person who was sick in hospital? And when I get up here, it's a trial for anyone who gets up here. Because I'm literally walking to work, or walking wherever I'm going, and if I've got to talk, I'll be saying, God, it's not about me, it's about you, it's not about me, it's about you. Because don't you know it's so nice when someone says, that was great, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm confessing. I've wrestled this week when I've been preparing. I've just been like, God, you show me again and again how much it's about me. You know, even down to, I would love my family to become Christians. Why? Because then it would be about me. I have reached them. Do you see how subtle and how easy it is that our work is not about to be, that our Father is praised in heaven, but rather to be seen by them. You see that? And I, I'm not saying it to cripple us this morning, but the minute we see it, we need to confess it and say, God, it. It's about me again. I'm sorry. I need your spirit to change me. Your power of your presence in me, united, your Holy Spirit, transforming me. That my heart's desire is that they would see your good works and praise my Father in heaven. That I don't want to be validated for what I've done. So that can be one thing. The other thing, we could be motivated by guilt. And that sounds weird, but we might worry what someone's going to say. Man, I struggle with that. What if they don't like me? Or perhaps they think I'm uncaring or I'm hard-hearted or I'm selfish. Whose glory is that for? Again, it's about me. I want the glory to be on me. It might be insecurity, Deep down, I don't feel very loved. But if I do this, I'll have more friends. They'll like me. It might be worthlessness. I don't count. And if I do all these works, I'll have value. I'll have purpose. Is that our purpose? What's our purpose? Why are we here? When we see God reveals Himself in Jesus, we are filled up with who we are. Who are we? We are the children of God. We are chosen by God. Not because we've got anything, but because He loves us and He lavishes His love over us and He came and He died and He lived. And He said, I want you. I want to know You. I want you. And a purpose, I want you to go and I want you to be me in this place and this place, that no people would know me, glorify me, give praise to me. That we would let our light shine so they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So what do we do when people say, thank, say to us, thanks for that? Well, I tend to just say thanks because otherwise I'm going, "Uh, well, it was a spirit, Uh, thank you, just give it, no. I don't think we're meant to join the dots for people, although sometimes we have that opportunity, don't we? We have that opportunity where we get to say, yeah, I struggle with anxiety too, and um, I tell you what helps me is I do this, and that might be a scripture or a prayer or something that helps me, or my community. Or we might say, yeah, I think a lot of married people struggle with that. What helps us is we we did this. And that might be a course, or a Bible reading, or a way of communicating. And of course, previous to this, just in verse 11 and 12, Jesus has warned us that people may not always appreciate this. They may slander you. They may say that your motivations are not pure. And a lot of the time they might be right. Let's face it. But our goal should be to give God glory. Um, The Salvation Army, when they got going, they were once out one day and 600 of them got beaten up. (laughs) They went home praising Jesus. We learned about that the other week. So the response that we get should not be our driving force. Our measure of success is not our concern of whether someone liked us or not. We just have to let the light of Jesus shine. Jesus says a city, on a, a city, a community, on a hill, on a high street, cannot be hidden. We are in one sense, remember, no different. From anyone else, but in the other sense, we are radically different from everyone else. We should be obvious. we like a city on a hill. We should be making some kind of impact, even if it 's not a nice one that we are receiving back. I remember um, thinking about how do we get this light in us and maybe you're here today and you're thinking well I, I don't really know how that happens but i was thinking well when i became a christian there was there was a niggling there was a hmm i wonder what that's about there was a bit of a sense of is that god is that is that god there i'm not sure and then one day i was reading my bible And I was astounded for the first time. I thought, I'll have a little read, see what this is like. But as I read Matthew's Gospel, that's where I started, for the first time, it was like a light had gone on in my head. And I suddenly realized this is true, this actually happened. And for me, that was the light entering me. That was the Holy Spirit of God coming into me for that first time. This is true. This is actually true. This is a bit we read in Second Corinthians. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of God of Christ. And when I read the Bible, I started to see Jesus. He's real. He really existed. Jesus really is God. I started to see who my creator was because the Holy Spirit had come into me. Not because I was nice. I was in a horrible place. Not because I was particularly asking. The Holy Spirit came and as I read that the light came into my heart and showed me it gave me the knowledge of the glory of God so Jesus might be prompting you today or he's been lighting up something in you for some time maybe that niggling feeling And Jesus is saying, I love you, I want this relationship with you, I want to give you that deep happiness, that underlying security of who you are and why you're here. I want to forgive you for everything you've done and I want you to come and follow me. And you can choose to follow Jesus today, you can simply pray, thank you Jesus for your death on the cross. You can say sorry for the wrong that you've done, for ignoring him. And you can ask him, fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. You can have that transforming power. You might be realizing today that your motivations have been wrong. To be honest, that's all of us. That's all of us. It's a battle we're facing all the time. Our motives are mixed, but every now and then Jesus picks up a certain one and says, let's work on this for a while. And there might be something that he wants to work on with you today. Or you might be realising that you've been hiding your light. You've put it under a bowl, actually. Nobody's noticing you. Nobody realises there's anything different. Maybe you just need to come and say, God, no one knows. No one knows I'm different. Help me be different. I want your light to shine. Change me today. Because it's not about us trying hard, is it? It's not about us going, right, on Monday I'm going to go in, I'm going to say this. But actually it's about coming to Jesus again, isn't it? I am poor of spirit. I've got nothing. Change me, Jesus. And you might realize you've got a lack of desire to go, too you become really dulled maybe to the face of christ because actually well i can't really be bothered well let's come to jesus and say jesus i am dull in spirit fill me again i need you remember we're always coming back aren't we This is not about trying hard. This is not about beating ourselves. This is about a God who comes and unites with us and says, You are the light of the world.